Hello, and welcome to another edition of the AI Insiders Podcast, the flagship podcast of USC's Information Sciences Institute AI Division. I'm your host and fellow human, Adam Russell, and I'm also the division director. And I'm on the hunt to know more about the humans who work with me. Because I have a hypothesis that for all the breathless headlines and the terrifying doomsday scenarios, the hard to swallow, nothing could go wrong exuberance behind much of AI today, well, at the end of the day, AI is still very much about us, humans. And getting a chance to understand more about these humans behind AI, their why, their how, their what, I think is going to be more, not less important for helping us better understand where we might be headed on this journey with our increasingly capable, but very far from perfect machines. I'm joined today by one such human, at least that's what he tells me, uh, Emmanuel Johnson, who is as fresh in this space as I think you can find just having gotten his PhD a couple years ago in computer science. Alas, uh, couldn't couldn't cut it in anthropology, I guess, Emmanuel, but we'll, we'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, my understanding is your PhD thesis was titled An Intelligent Tutoring Systems Approach for Negotiation Training, which makes me a bit nervous about this podcast. Am I going to be negotiated out of something? <laughs> Either way, Emmanuel, welcome to the Answers Podcast. You ready? I am. Thanks for having me. Good. So I, I, I as you know, ask slightly wacky questions. Uh, the goal being not to be another AI podcast talking about neural nets or you know, word embeddings or anything. Uh, instead, it's it's about you. So let's start with not just you, but way back in time, you. And let's go back in time where I can now sit and watch you explain to your, let's say, six to 10-year-old self, depending on how you want to go, what it is you are doing today. Hmm, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I think the easiest way I would explain that to, a, to my six to 10-year-old self is my work is helping people learn how to interact better with each other. Hmm. Um, I think when we think about our professions and we think about what we do every day, there's always these technical skills that we want to get. If we are a computer scientist, we're thinking about how we can learn new programming languages. And if we're in the sciences general, is how do we do better science? But mm -hmm. what we often overlook is how much of that involves us interacting with other people, or maybe we do recognize it, right? But we don't, often have that training in how to work well amongst a group. And so my work is helping to, to teach people how to work better with each other. Okay. Um, I mean, let's start with the basic irony that you are using, and the term AI is, is pretty broad and generous, but you're using AI to help codify skills for humans to interact with each other. That's, that's interesting. Do you reflect on that irony at all? I, I do. I do. And, 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 I'm of the belief that, you know, humans are smarter than AI in, in a lot of different spaces, right? And, and, go, humans, humans. <laughs> right, exactly. So for me, it's like, you know, how do we how do we leverage AI systems as a tool to improve the human experience? There, there's all of these blind spots we have. If we can help you improve those blind spots in social interaction, then you can have a much more enriched and much more uh, valuable connection and relationship with people. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, again, I don't know how you got away from anthropology, but somehow <laughs> we let you go. But but it is an open question of of these are oftentimes called soft skills. And we all know, of course, in some cases they're the hardest skills. Why don't why aren't we already good at teaching that? Why do we need machines to help us? I think part of the issue is we make a lot of assumptions about other people. 
And, mm-hmm. and we often look at the world from our perspective. Uh, just simply, I, I've lived in New Jersey. I live in North Carolina, you know, spent summers in the Midwest and internships and now I'm in, on the West Coast. And all of those groups view and have different value system. And so as you move from one sort of culture to the next, you realize that people value different things. The way people speak to each other is different. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are, are are difficult for us to sort of adjust if we're looking at it from our perspective. And so I think there is value in, you know, leveraging technology to really help us practice these skills more effectively. Okay. Um, what are you most worried about? I mean, if, if machines can understand us or can get in the middle of our understanding each other, what what are you worried most about? with where that technology might go? I worry about representation in the field because in many ways, when we start building AI to interact with people, we make certain assumptions. You know, so if we're saying this this AI is helpful, what does helpful mean? When we say this AI is caring, exactly, what, what does that mean? And these are some very vague terms that we often try to quantify. And I think when you don't have as diverse of a opinion at the table, what I may think is, is, is an agent being caring may not be what the next person thinks. You know, and, and one example that comes to mind, I think about when I go to other countries that this tipping uh, practices in America, you know, nowadays you go anywhere and they're asking you for a tip in other countries, you know, it's not, it's not common where, and people value the tip a lot more, or you tip when this is the best service you've received. So even that, you know, there's these subjective rules that are embedded in our culture that um, if we don't have various voices at the table when we build these machines, they might be, you know, designed from one perspective and not include the other. So w- which sort of came first? And let's go back to the 6 to 10-year-old uh, Emmanuel. What did he think he was going to do? Like, what was he interested in? Was it computers or was it something more to do with this idea of how people get along or some, some combination of early. Um, hmm. Six to 10. So, so let, I'll take you back. So uh, I was born in Liberia and at the heart of the civil war. So mm-hmm. I was born in July and there was a coup in, I think like October and this is 1990. So from there until Oh three, the, the country was in a civil war. So my first eight years of life, that's where I was. Mm-hmm. So if I think about what Emmanuel was thinking about then, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to play soccer. You know, uh, one of the greatest soccer players uh, to ever live is George Weah. He came out of Liberia. He was the only African player to win the Ballet de Gior. And so that that was where I thought I thought my career was going to be in soccer. Um, when I first came here as a kid, my mother bought me a gateway computer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just used to spend a lot of time kind of messing around with it because when I first came to America at the age of eight, this was sort of my first time interacting with a computer, you know, and and seeing sort of this technological future. I think over the years I've had, I've had some really good uh, mentors who pushed me. So when I was in high school, I took an intro to computer programming class with a guy by the name of John Miro. What he used to do is he'll have us uh, map out your logic using a flow chart. So his whole thing was he came from that old school of programmers where is you had to map out your logic before you code it. So, you know, I used to just sit there and do that because I thought it was fun. It felt like a puzzle. And, and so he was the one that was like, you might want to actually consider this as a career path. And I said, oh, man, it's just sit in front of a blue screen all day and then write code. This stuff does not seem fun, you know. And so um, my senior year in high school, I had this idea for a I used to work at a supermarket as a cashier. So I had this idea for a 
device that can store all of your savings card, right? Because I got tired of people coming to the cash register not having their savings card to scan. And so I was like, imagine if they had something like this. And this was right before smartphones. And then it became an idea of what if you could put this on your phone? Mm-hmm. You know, and as I talked to other people, they, they gave, they helped me expand that to credit cards and all other things. So I try to build, I try to build it. Um, I entered it into a business idea competition and, and mm-hmm. I placed top 30 in the state of New Jersey. And I was like, huh, maybe, maybe I do pursue this computer science thing to be able to build some of these products. That's sort of where that interest in wanting to go into computer science. And then mm-hmm. when I got to undergrad, my summers were all in research lab and I was just mind blown at, at the technology, you know, playing with robots, being invited mm-hmm. into different research lab and seeing what was happening. And I was like, this is the career path for me. Well, how did, so, but then how did you make the leap to not only is this the career path for me, but I want to use these tools to help me understand other humans or help other humans un- understand each other. Yeah. So what I've learned early on was I, I could understand and see things I know that other people didn't understand things about others that other people didn't because I wasn't and growing up I wasn't a student with the best grades but I knew everybody I knew where to find the resources I needed mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if I if, if if it's a question I have about you know a technical matter I know which student knew that and so as I was going through my undergraduate program you know as we were building these technologies I often wonder well how do you consider the people that are going to use this? I kept realizing that I really care very much about, you know, the human element. Yeah. Um, towards the end of undergrad, I remember reading some work from Herb Simon where he talked about, we don't really understand humans until we can simulate them. And so he laid out this, this idea that computer science is a way that we can better understand human because if we can build a machine to behave the way a, a human would, then that means we have a better understanding of how humans work. And so I thought that was a really profound idea. So from my end, it's like, hmm, if I can replicate a human by building something similar to the way they behave, maybe then I can use this thing to help solve other issues in society. Check. Yeah. And and as you personally have, have realized, uh, and I have seen repeatedly in uh, my time at places where um, engineers and computer scientists have talked about the human Again, uh, people sometimes call the social sciences the soft sciences, but you want to deal with the humans, you're talking about the hardest sciences in that sense. So you are shaping up to be what I call an alien. And I mean that with <laughs> all due respect. Uh, these aliens are people who move from worlds to worlds. The uh, mm. problem with aliens is it's really hard to replicate them. And so I'm going to ask you a probably impossible question, which is if someone were up and coming, interested in, in getting to this space, given that you have this crazy background behind you, what, what would you advise them to do? Mm, that's a good question. My advice to them is don't focus so much on the technology, focus on the problem you're trying to solve. Mm. Because I think is. You know, it's like that old saying goes to a, I think it's like to a carpenter with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think sometimes we come in at it, at it from the technology perspective and then try to retrofit our technology to solve all these other problems. So I would tell them to really get a good sense of what are those things that are really near and dear to them. And mm-hmm. so once you have that problem and you're thinking about how to solve it with technology, then I think you can come up with a lot of interesting ideas, you know. And, and so that's what I would tell them. The problem you're solving are more important than the technology you're building. But. 
that resonates with me. I'm spending a lot of time here thinking, um, but what are called the hamming problems, right? What are the most important mm-hmm. problems in the space? And and what you don't want is then to be asked. So why aren't you working on those? Uh, really unfair question. If you could ask, if you had doubts about me being human, what is the one question you would ask that you think might reveal whether or not I'm actually human? Ooh, that's, <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I don't think you can ask one, just one question. I think that's probably right. Yeah. Because it's, it's, to me, is the conversation. To me, is is the a set duration of a conversation, you know, that that would need to be had in order to um, determine whether or not you're a human. I don't think I can ask one question that would reveal that. No, that 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 is fair. Uh, it was an unfair question. That was a very fair answer. Um, and then that the notion of conversation, I think, is is really important. Um, people talk a lot about trustworthy AI. How how do we build trustworthy AI when really trust is built through these kinds of things, conversation, repeated interaction? Are you hopeful for that? I'm, I'm, I am. I think if we want to build trusted AI, we need to build trust with the consumers of technology. We've had these tech companies, these giant firms that have utilized our data in so many ways and, and, and people don't know. When we keep violating humans' trust and we keep mismanaging their information, they're right. becoming more apprehensive of, of new technology that is automated. And mm-hmm. so if we're able to address the privacy issue with tech in general, I think people would be more trustworthy. And if mm-hmm. they understood how some of these devices work and what they did with data, I think that's how we get towards trustworthy AI. Mm-hmm. I spent a long time um, working in the area of, of scientific reproducibility. Um, and in this area, there's a Samin Vazir is one of the, the big thinkers and said something I've never forgotten. She said, we, we keep talking about how we get people to trust science. And what we should be talking about is how can we make science trustworthy? Yeah, so so that's, that's resonate with me. Um, let's, let's play a little science fiction game and say a machine has come to life, however you determine that. Um, but acknowledges it does not understand humans. Is there a book or a movie you would point the machine to to say, this is your best starting point? Read or, or watch this if you want to understand humans. Hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a complicated one. Um, you know what? Uh, there, there's a there's a docu-series on the History Channel called The Story of Us. Mm-hmm. And, and what it does is it goes through the entire human experience from inception in East Africa to how we sort of went through the world. Because I think we, we definitely want to have these robots understand just how irrational humans are and some of the crazy things we've done to each other over the, over the years. So they know who they're dealing with. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, got a couple couple more questions for you. That's all right before you go. Um, actually, I have all about right. a thousand more questions, but we're running out of time. Um, how do you think about AI and creativity? Can can AI be creative? Yeah, where's the role for uh, AI in creativity? I think AI can be creative. When I was younger, there was a point where I wanted to be an artist. When I think about those classes I took, yes, it was being creative, but we started off learning other people's style, right? And, and so in many ways, creativity or these new ideas is just taking two sort of distinct idea that nobody had thought could be joined together and bringing them together. You know, and, and there's always often this uh, saying among artists that, you know, good artists copy, great artists steal. And that's that recognition that you know, to a certain extent, you're not creating anything from thin air. Right. It's very recombination and some power of analogical thinking. I see this in, even in my own daughters now. 
of oh this is like that exactly even though it's clearly not the same thing yeah it's, that's that's really that's very insightful one of the things um that the humans are fairly creative at or right now seem to have the uh the advantage over machines is humor do you have a good ai joke uh i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> worry the machines are you listening know, come on man we got right it's okay Maybe that is a good a good one to decide if you if you're human or not. How good of a joke can you tell? Because it's not just the joke itself; it's the delivery, the intonation, the pauses, all of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, we'll hang to that then, as it were. Um, last question really is: What do you think is, or what is your favorite uh, sort of AI themed movie or or book? I think I, I have a few. Um... There, there, there was one. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it, it was this. I think it's like Robot and Frank or, or something like that. But this old guy is has this home robot that's caring for him, and come to find out, you know, his son brought this robot to to take care of him. But the guy robs. It's like a old school uh, burglar, so mm-hmm. he's going around with this robot, essentially committing crime, because the robot's goal is to take care of him. And I thought it was really interesting because you know. Um, I think Sherry Turkle said it well. She said technology really sort of amplifies who we are. And so with this robot, what it showed is that, you know, this guy is going to be who he is. And if you give him a robot, it's just going to amplify. Um, Yeah, your talk here reminds me of uh, E.O. Wilson said that our our biggest uh, dilemma stems from the fact that we have paleolithic emotions, we have medieval institutions, and we have godlike technology. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to look at it. So, Manuel, um, we're running out of time. Uh, let me just take this chance to say thank you uh, for for coming on the podcast, being brave enough. I am. I'm sorry that you're you're gonna. I mean, I'm excited for your future. I'm sorry it's not gonna be here in the right now, but I'm looking forward to you know staying in touch and continuing to work with you. Absolutely. Um, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, I haven't had a chance to meet you in person, so I'll say welcome to ISI. Thank you. Um, yeah, and. Um, Definitely looking forward to where AI goes and, and you know, where your leadership takes the AI division. And I will, it's, I will take all the input I can get. So uh, if you, even, even when you're not here, if you have ideas, please send them my way. Cause you know, the world and therefore leadership in it needs to be in permanent beta. So again, thanks for taking the time to be here uh, for being really a lot of fun and being in this fight with us. Uh, I think to make sure our, our increasingly AI godlike technology ends up helping, in your words, helping us amplify and realize our best selves. Absolutely. And if we do this right, maybe helping us be better than we've ever been before. Right. Well, so if this is going to happen, it's probably up to you, Manuel, no pressure. <laughs> uh, but it's also up to me, as you point out, it's up to everyone at ISI, up to you know everyone listening and more. This is sort of a, all hands on deck, I think, and this really matters. So reporting once more from ISI, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, please join us again as I continue to talk with the humans behind AI on my quest, which could be your quest too, to better appreciate, frankly, my amazingly good luck to work with such incredible people uh, and to help embrace the responsibility that comes with working with them at such an incredible time in our species history. If you're enjoying what I think is a rather unique podcast, please help us connect and contribute by sharing it with others. And until then, fight on. <laughs>